Well, it's good to see every one of you here this this morning. It really is. So, uh, yeah, last last Sunday we um, went through the uh, the first part of Mark chapter seven. We're going to finish this chapter up today. And but we saw Jesus challenging the the traditions of man last time, the traditions of the uh, the religious leaders of of his time, and. Uh, you know, their, their issue with Jesus was that he, his, his disciples' practices didn't really line up with their expectations for uh, things like ritual cleanness and, uh, and defilement. You know, they, they ate without washing their hands. And uh, so Jesus, after challenging their, their stance concerning uh, tradition and, and the word of God, you know, went to the, uh, the core issue you know that defilement and and cleanness really aren't aren't on the outside. It's on the inside. It goes it goes deep. You know that uh, God sees what's on the inside. No mat, no mat, no amount of washing and scrubbing on the outside is going to uh, take care of our our sin issue. You know that that inner defilement and only an encounter with the Savior can take away that, that defilement of sin that uh, lies within. So with this issue in mind, we see that Jesus continues to challenge their ideas as we, as we move on. We see that Jesus deals with, with somebody who would be considered to be unclean, a, a Gentile woman. And we, we look at uh, Jesus' encounter with, with another man, a man who is most likely a Gentile as well. And both people come to Jesus with a need. And I'd like to call attention to the nature of these encounters, how, they, how these people uh, approach Jesus. And then what is Jesus' response? And then how do these people respond to Jesus? That's why the, uh, the title of this sermon is Approach and Response. We see this this interaction, this interchange between uh, these people and, and the Lord when they approach him with, with their needs. And we see in, in both of these encounters that uh, Jesus responds to faith. He responds to faith. We also see that Jesus breaks down barriers. You know, Jesus is, is uh, seen going outside of uh, geographic and, and ethnic boundaries You know, he he had gone to the east shore of the uh, the Sea of Galilee at, at one time, and you know, a few weeks ago, and uh, you know that he cast out this legion of demons from this man, and, and the demons entered into the uh, the swine. He healed a woman with a uh, with a bleeding disorder. You know, someone someone else who would have been considered unclean, somebody else who would have been considered defiled. And now he deals with this woman, this woman who's a Gentile. So turn with me to Mark chapter 7, verse 24, where we see Jesus approached by this woman whose daughter needs deliverance from, from an evil spirit. So Mark seven twenty four, And from there he arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. But immediately a woman whose daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth. 
And she begged him to cast out the demon of her daughter. And he said to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, yes, Lord, but even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, for this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed with the demon gone. So Jesus gets up. He goes to this predominantly Gentile area. Uh, where the crowds wouldn't press in on him. Uh, you know, we, we, we've seen that this, this is a, an, an issue, you know, these, these throngs of people. But even there, his presence couldn't be, couldn't be hidden. As soon as he gets there, this, this woman who's heard of him knows he's there. She needs him. Her daughter's demon-possessed. She, she desperately needs Jesus. Um, because of her daughter, you know, there, there are many, there are many of us who are at times at wits ends with with our children, you know, whether they're whether they're little or or whether they're adults, and uh, you know, it's it's heartbreaking for a parent to see their children in in spiritual darkness. Well, this woman is from the region of Phoenicia and Syria. This is uh, this is north of Israel north of Israel. She's a, she's a Gentile. She falls at Jesus' feet. She begs him to cast this demon out of her daughter. So let's, let's look at how this woman approaches Jesus. You know, Mark's style of writing tends to focus on, on action. Again, you'll, you'll notice that uh, this word immediately occurs all over the place. You know, Mark keeps the action going. He, he often leaves out details that the other gospel writers include. And uh, this, is, this is really a very unusual story. It's unusual because of what Jesus said to her. And it can be a difficult one to understand. So in this case, what I'd like for us to do is you know, keep your finger there in uh, Mark 7. But, and let's, let's look at Matthew 15, where Matthew expands it out a little bit. I, I think it will help us out. Well, how does a woman approach Jesus? She approaches him in faith. She approaches him on behalf of her daughter in faith. She sets aside her own prejudice towards the Jews as she approaches this this rabbi who she's heard of. You know, reports of Jesus' miracles have surely reached this area, this region of uh, Phoenicia. And in Matthew's account, the woman says, Have mercy on me, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. So she's a, she, she apparently has knowledge of Jesus' identity as a Jew, as one who is also a descendant of David. You know, maybe, maybe she has a hint of knowledge about the prophecy of the Jewish Messiah who would come from the lineage of David. And we'll see the significance of this in the dialogue that, uh, that follows. Notice also that the woman is approaching Jesus not for herself. She's approaching Jesus on behalf of her daughter. You know, she's, she's interceding on, on behalf of her, her daughter. Uh, and, and the daughter's not even present during this encounter. What else can we say about the woman? The woman's persistent. 
You know, she, it says that she falls at Jesus' feet and begs for him to cast the demon out of the daughter. Now, the, uh, the word for beg in, in the Greek, uh, and I, I don't do this very often, but it's the, the verb form is, is called imperfect active. It means to continuously beg. She didn't just ask him once. She's continuously begging she wouldn't stop begging Jesus. In Matthew's, Matthew's account, we see that this woman's continuous begging is annoying the disciples. It says that they begged Jesus to send her away. The disciples, she's begging Jesus on behalf of her daughters, and the disciples are begging Jesus to send this woman away because they're crying after them also. It seems like this is the the disciples' M.O. for for ministry, doesn't it? Remember when Jesus uh, had these people who needed to be fed, how did the disciples respond to that need? They said, Jesus, send them away. Let Let them fend for themselves. That's not how Jesus worked, though, is it? That's not that's not Jesus' approach. Let's look at how Jesus responds to this woman. Uh, the way he responds to this woman makes this passage difficult. And Matthew's account helps us in, in gaining understanding of, of Jesus' puzzling answer. Uh, Matthew includes some information that Mark's left out. In Matthew, after the woman begs, it says Jesus is silent. You know, for a time he doesn't say a word. Could, can you imagine the, the tension this building up. People are uncomfortable with silence. <laughs> People are uncomfortable with that, you know. And, and But then he says, I, I was sent only to the lost sheep of, of Israel. Only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And the, woman's, the woman responds saying, Lord, help me. What a simple request. What a great prayer though, right? Lord, help me. Three words. Very short prayer. Very powerful prayer. And look how Jesus responds. And this, is the, this response takes us by surprise. He says, let the children be fed first, for it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And this, this kind of looks like an insult, doesn't it? It's like he's saying, you're, you're a dog. Uh, now we live in a dog-friendly society, you know. There, and, and there, I know there are plenty of people who don't like dogs in our society, but I think most do. You know, if, to many, their dogs are, are their children. You know, they, they travel with their dogs. We we take them through the drive-in at McDonald's and buy them a, a cheeseburger. Um, you know, we we take them to the groomer to have their hair done and their nails trimmed. Um, you know, we have, we have laws to, to make sure that dogs are, are treated right. You know, they're, they're our pets. Uh, you know, they're not the wild dogs that uh, some of us have encountered in the country or, or even in our, our own town at times. You know, the ones that kill livestock and threaten people. Uh, you know, in some places of the world, and even in our country, dogs roam around in packs and they, they bring terror to people. 
uh, well, there were plenty of dogs in the first century who did this, and they were considered to be uh, filthy creatures. They were, they were considered to be unclean animals, mongrels. And so why would, with this attitude about dogs, why would Jesus say this to this woman? You know, it just seems to be so out of, out of character. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think we mind when we read through the gospel accounts when Jesus is rude to the scribes and the Pharisees, Right? Because they deserve it. But this poor woman, she, she needs help for her daughter. And, uh, you know, so how, how do we reconcile this passage that, with the passages, the other ones that, that portray Jesus as this compassionate shepherd? Uh, and, and there are many ideas that people have advanced to explain this. The commenta- commentators are all over the, the place. But here's one thing I found out as I was studying the, uh, the Greek on this, the... The word that Jesus uses for dog here is not the same as the dog that I just described, the, the, the filthy creature who's a mongrel and terrorizing people and their animals. The word that uh, Jesus is using, it's a diminutive word. It, it, it means little dog, little dog. It's like a, like a lap dog or, or a puppy. You know, it's it is a household pet, and uh, in in a house where people had such dogs, there was there was an order of feeding. You know, the the pet dogs were not allowed to eat before the people; they came last. They ate the leftovers. They were they were not allowed to eat before the humans, and people would not, you know, people would not take a, a bowl of cereal that's for the, a child and say, you know, here. Give it to the dog, but you know the dogs might get to lick up the milk in the bowl when the child is through, or, or the stray pieces. You know the dogs will get their food, but only after the ch- the children eat. And this is what's going on here. Jesus, what Jesus is getting at is there's there's an order of feeding. There's an order of feeding. There's an order in his mission. You know he has a primary mission, and he he states it elsewhere. He he came for the sake of the lost sheep of the house of Israel. You know, the bread must be given to the, the children, the people of Israel first. This was to fill, fulfill the law that uh, God had given to the Jews. The gospel would go out to the Gentiles. We know that. And we already see Jesus doing this. You know, we, we've seen him minister to the Gentiles from time to time. And Mark really emphasizes this, but at this moment as ministry, it's not his primary interest. You know, there's an order, and Jesus lays out this, this order. He's come first for the lost sheep of Israel, and having come in human flesh, uh, you know, he's, he's got limita- limitations as a human being. He can't be everywhere at once. He can't be at every place at once. And so during his lifetime, Jesus spent most of his time in Israel, almost all his time. He he seldom left, you know, though he did occasionally go to Gentile regions, and we've seen that. But, you know, Jesus never went to Greece. He never went to Rome. He never went to these these centers of of Gentile life. You know, his, his mission at this point was not to have a worldwide ministry, 
His, his ministry was first to the Jews. But the Gentiles, the Gentiles would get what, what, the, what the children, the Jews, rejected. But there is an order, the children first. And we see this order when Jesus ascends to heaven, right? He gives the disciples his mission for them, for the church in Acts 1.8. What does he say? You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses. Where? In Jerusalem, we see this order. Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. His mission has an order. And we see this in uh, Romans 1, 1st chapter Romans uh, 13 to 16. Paul talks about it. He says, I have often intended to come to you, but thus so far have been prevented in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles, for I am under obligation to both Greeks and barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish, so that I am eager to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now even so... I don't know, it still, it still sounds like an insult. And uh, some commentators, such as Will, William Barclay, feel like we're, we're missing the, the subtlety. You know, we, we could not see the expression on, on Jesus' face as he said this. You know, we have the print, but we don't have the tone in Jesus' voice. You know, we don't, we don't see maybe the, the twinkle in, in Jesus' eye as, as he says this to this woman. But, you know, however people try to explain Jesus' words, his, his response is provocative. You know, I believe that Jesus was testing this woman, testing her faith. Well, let's look at how the woman responds. She says, what does she say? She says, even the dogs get to eat the crumbs. You know, this, this woman has some moxie. You know, not only is she very persistent in her, her uh, asking Jesus for, for the help. She knows she, needs, she knows she needs Jesus. She knows her daughter needs Jesus, and she's not going to take no for an answer. You know, she's, she's going to fight for her child. You know, we've all heard stories about heroic mothers. Uh, in 2009, Maureen Lee and her three-year-old daughter, Maya, were enjoying a hike on a trail near their home 40 miles north of uh, Vancouver, Canada, when an 88-pound cougar pounced on Maya. Maureen wedged herself between the animal and her child and hurled it off. And then she picked up Maya and ran to a nearby house. You know, this is the the strength and the determination of a woman whose child is in desperate need like this woman's child was. You know, it's it's an amazing display of faith what this, this woman does you know she's not put off by Jesus's brusqueness you know she she's the mother of a little girl who's being tormented by an evil spirit um, Alistair Begg says the crisis of the needy are are at their apex in the cries of a mother for her child and she knows that she needs what only Jesus can give and she doesn't have any time to argue you know, she seems, 
she seems to have a better idea than, than the Jews do that Jesus is not bound by prejudices. You know, she realizes that coming, that she's coming to Jesus with, with empty hands. She's coming in faith. You know, she could have, she could have taken offense at what Jesus said. I think a lot of people might have. You know, she could have said, okay, fine. You just go, you just go back to your own people and, and let the dogs take care of themselves. You know, we, fine, we don't, we don't need you anyway. Uh, maybe she did take offense, but it, it doesn't matter. You know, maybe maybe she's, she was re, uh, insulted, but she passed this test that Jesus presented her with. She humbled herself before Jesus. Uh, her her love for her daughter overcame whatever pride she had. Yet it, it's still. I don't know, maybe it still bothers us that Jesus said this to her. You know, I, I think that um, people are going to be offended by the gospel. The Bible talks about that. You know, they, they might ask, well, uh, are you telling me that I don't deserve to go to heaven because of my good works? Are you, are you calling me a sinner? How dare you? That's... That's hateful. You know, I, I know people who've turned down Jesus because apparently they're too good for him. You know, people don't want to hear that they're sinners. They don't want to hear that they're undeserving of, of God's grace. They don't want to hear that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. They don't want to hear that it's only by Jesus they can come to the, the Father. You know, they, they don't want to acknowledge that they cannot do it on their own. Maybe they feel insulted. You know, many, many turn away from Jesus because they're too proud. I'm a good person, they say. I'm going to heaven because I am so much better than so many people I know. You know how, how dare you say that my sin separates me from God? It's a matter of pride. A matter of pride. Too proud to ask the Savior for what he will give freely to those who come to him in humility. If they just ask and just receive. Well, let's look at the second encounter where Jesus heals a, a, a deaf man, deaf and mute. Let's pick it up starting in uh, chapter, excuse me, verse 31. Verse 31, he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his finger into his ears and after spitting, touched his tongue and looked up at heaven and sighed and said to him, Ephthatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened and his tongue was released and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged him that he tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, he has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Well, the approach to Jesus is 
the friends on this deaf man's behalf. Just like with a woman. You know, with a woman, it wasn't the daughter who came. It was the mother. Here, it's, the, it's not the deaf man who came to Jesus, but it was the friends. You know, that's, that's something to, to think about. You know, I wonder, you know, if it wasn't for the friends, would this man have come to Jesus? I don't know that he would have. Look what it says. They brought him. They begged him. You know, this, this man's truly in need, but it's, it's the friends who bring this man to Jesus. Uh, this, you know, this reminds me of that other story that we have in the, in the Gospels of the friends who get up on the roof in the crowded house. They, can't, they couldn't get in there, so they just cut a hole in the roof and lowered the, the friend down to present him to Jesus. Those are good kind of friends to have. They approach him in faith on behalf of their, their friend. Well, let's look at Jesus' response. Him to a private place. You know, Jesus, Jesus knew that this man needed to get away from the crowds. You know, it says he, he was deaf and he had a, a speech impediment. And this, you know, this would probably indicate that he had not been deaf all his life. You know, he, he was able to speak. He had learned to speak even though he was deaf. You know, in, in any case, he had trouble with speaking uh, because he was unable to hear. And uh, this probably subjected him to all kinds of abuse from other people. Jesus had compassion and treated this, this man with gentleness. He took him to a, a private place, a quiet place away from, from the crowds. Now, the word that Mark uses uh, for a speech impediment here is uh, magilalas in Greek. This is, a, this is a Greek word that only appears one time, one single time in the New Testament. And uh, you know, when, we, when we do word studies in Greek, those are difficult words to figure out. What does it mean? It's only used once. Because a lot of times we like to compare uses of the word and, and get, the, get the, uh, the full meaning of that word. Well, it's helpful to look in the Old Testament. There was a... Uh, translation called the Septuagint. I believe I've talked about that at time. It was the uh, Greek translation of the Hebrew scriptures. This was widely used in, in the first century. This word appears once in the Septuagint, Magalalas. But I don't think it was an accident that Mark uses this word because of where it's used in the Old Testament in uh, Isaiah 35, 4 through 6. Let me read that to you. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, and with recompense of God he will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, the tongue of the mute, that's the word, sing for joy. The waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. This, this great passage about what God is going to do. He's going to bring deliverance. He's going to bring healing. He's going to bring salvation. You know, Isaiah was prophesying about a time in the future where, where God would appear on earth bringing judgment, salvation, and, and restoration. And once again, 
Mark is showing here that Jesus is doing what only God can do. This is another place where Mark illustrates Jesus' deity, demonstrates the deity of Jesus. And uh, notice something else about uh, Jesus' approach to this man, Jesus' response. He said, the man was unable to hear. Well, what did Jesus do? He, he used motions, his, you know, put his fingers in his ears and touched his, spit and touched, touched his, his mouth. You know, um, he, was, he was touching this, this man in a way to let the man know what was going on. You know, after pulling him aside, Jesus did this. It's kind of like sign language for, for this man. And he did this and said, be opened. You know, Jesus is entering into this man's world of silence. And he's using gestures that this man would would understand. You know, he didn't he didn't recite some incantation or something. Uh, he showed the man what he was doing and uh, and where the where the source of the power was coming from. Did that by looking up. How did the man respond? It says his ears were opened, his tongue was released, he spoke plainly. And even though Jesus told them not to tell anyone, they couldn't contain their joy. They could not contain their amazement. This seems to be the pattern, doesn't it? But it says they were astonished beyond all measure. You know, this, this was no ordinary event. And I love what they have to say. He does all things well. Jesus does all things well. Let's let's end this by saying, you know, Jesus responds to faith. Jesus responds to faith. These encounters show great faith. And it's also significant that the faith was from people who were not the people who were healed. They were from friends, from the mother. You know, that, that emphasizes our responsibility as intercessors to pray for others, to approach Jesus on behalf of others, to lead others to Jesus for healing, for salvation. Sometimes, sometimes Jesus will be silent for a while. Like the woman, you know, we, we need to kneel before him with faith, humbly, persistently, you know, acknowledging that, that Jesus doesn't owe us anything, but just saying simply, help me, Lord. Lord, help me. You know, each, each person is unique. Each need is, is unique. Each person's situation is, is different, but, but our Lord is all wise. He knows our needs. He knows how to handle each situation. He knows how to touch each of us. And we, we see through the gospel accounts that Jesus does not tend to use formulas. 
he, he seems to never do it the same way. You know, sometimes, sometimes he heals with a touch. Sometimes he heals at a distance. You know, that, that woman's daughter was not even around when Jesus healed him. He does all things well. Pray with me. Uh, Lord, we pray that you uh, would heal our spiritual deafness. Lord, open our, our ears to, to hear your word. Lord, unchain our mouths so that we may proclaim your grace, that we may be able to uh, present your gospel clearly and plainly. Uh, thank you, Lord, for being our Savior. Thank you, Lord, for, for being our healer. We, we long to see the day when your kingdom comes in its, in its fullness, when, when all has been set right, Lord, when we truly have shalom reigning on earth because you reign in, in your glory. And, um, Lord, we believe, we have faith. Sometimes our faith is weak, though. So help our unbelief, strengthen our, our faith, Lord. And uh, you know, we also make our plea on, on behalf of those we love, those who, who need your salvation, those who need your healing, Lord, those who, who need your touch. Oh, Lord Jesus, you, you do all things well. And we pray this in your name, amen.